the book of Joshua. Pastor gave us an introduction in the last couple weeks. He's been doing that. Today we're going to get right into Joshua chapter 1. So if you could turn into Bibles there. Uh, the whole theme for this series, which is probably going to go on for a little while, we're going to be doing the entire book of Bo Joshua in these messages from the beginning to the end. So if you're taking notes, get ready to uh, just get some insight from God's Word to apply to your life and, and live it out. But uh, this whole series is just about being strong, being strong. And our God wants us to be strong and courageous people. And that's what the book of Joshua is all about. So this tonight, I'm just going to call Be Encouraged, and we're going to start in Joshua 1. And I want to make this comment that we are all leaders in some arena. We're all leaders. And what leaders really need is not necessarily, especially new leaders, not necessarily advice as much as encouragement. And Joshua chapter 1 is an encouragement from God to his leader. And we're going to we're going to dive into that. So to encourage someone, this is interesting uh, when you read uh, the word encourage or, or courage in the Old Testament, you'll see it really literally means to put heart into them, to encourage them, to put heart into them. It's to instill something inside them. And in Joshua one, it shows us this pattern of encouragement in verses one to nine. God encourages Joshua in verses 10 to 15. Uh, Joshua encourages the officers, and then in verses 16 to 18, the officers turn around and encourage Joshua. And so we can see this whole chapter as, a, as a, just a, an example for us to glean from this idea of the importance of encouragement. That's a whole lot of encouragement we can find in this first chapter. And so tonight I pray that when you leave after you've heard this teaching that you will leave encouraged. Be encouraged. How many could use some encouragement right now in your life? Amen. I think we all could use encouragement all the time. So place yourself in the position of Joshua. You may be a leader in your family. Or maybe you're a leader in your office or workplace. Maybe you're the leader of a team here at church. Maybe you're the leader among a friendship circle of people. But when it comes to his kingdom, Jesus Christ has made his followers fishers of men, disciple makers, baptizers, ambassadors, a royal priesthood, salt and light, and more. You could just mine the New Testament, mine the four Gospels, and see the kinds of things that Jesus has called his followers to be. In other words, we're to be leaders. We're his followers, but leaders in his kingdom. Amen? And so this applies to us. So receive this message tonight. We're going to start with verses 1 and 2. And the Bible says this in Joshua 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. Father, I pray that you would use these words to encourage us tonight. God, I pray that you would use this entire first section in Joshua 1, Lord, as a way to speak into us, God, that we would gain insight and wisdom from it, encouragement from it, Lord, that we'd be built up, that heart would be instilled in us tonight, your heart in us, Lord, as we leave this place, God. 
we will go and lead as you have called us to lead. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, God chose Joshua to be the leader. And every Israelite knew this. It was God that chose him. It wasn't just the people came around and decided to choose him and decide they liked him the best, but God chose him. Moses is mentioned 57 times in the book of Joshua. And this can be seen as evidence that Joshua honored Moses and respected what he had done for Israel. They worshiped the same God. They obeyed the same word that Moses had given to the nation. And between these two leaders, there was a continuity, but there wasn't always conformity. You see, Moses and Joshua were two different people. Moses was called a servant twice in these verses that we just read, verses 1 and 2. But by the end of the book, Joshua would also be known as a servant of God. You'll see that. You see, Joshua 24, 29 says this, After this, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. How many like to live to be 110, by the way? Nope, many of you are saying no <laughs> right away. Okay, that was a bad question. Okay, moving on. All right. What's most important, though, is not the servant, but the master. You see, Moses and Joshua served the same master. They served God, and that's what's important. And in the beginning, Joshua began as Moses' assistant. That's what the Scripture says. He was, he was you know, Moses' minister, all right? Basically, uh, the word that is used in the Hebrew here is a word that is used for many servants in the tabernacle or the servants of a leader. It's that same word. So basically, Joshua was at Moses' beck and call, whatever he needed. He was helping Moses do the work of God, you know, fulfill the vision that God had given to Moses. So Joshua needed to learn to obey as an assistant before he became, and as a servant, before he could command Israel as a general. He had to learn that. And I think that's an important lesson for all of us, you know, in our life. We have to, all of us, I said, are leaders, but we also are servants. And we have to learn sometimes to serve under. We have to learn to obey. We have to learn to lay down our, our desires and our personal tastes and our opinions and everything else sometimes just to serve another so that we can learn how to truly serve before God can use us. In, in a position as Joshua was used as a general to command an entire nation. So we need to learn that. Joshua needed to learn these things. In Matthew chapter 25, it includes a parable of three servants. In verse 21, Jesus teaches us how the master felt about the servant who invested five bags of silver and doubled the amount. Here's what he said about that servant. He said, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this little amount, this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So you see, sometimes we got to learn how to handle the small amounts, right? And when we do that, God will give us much more responsibility. God commissioned Joshua to achieve three tasks, okay? God called Joshua to lead the people into the land to defeat the enemy, and to claim the inheritance. We can see that Joshua 
is a type of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. He's the captain of, uh, who's the captain of our salvation, Jesus. So we can kind of see Joshua as a type of Christ. If you look at Joshua, you see sort of a foreshadowing of Jesus. The calling that he had, the conquering of the land, the bringing the people in, the, the inheritance and all of that. Everything that we see Joshua did in the physical, we see that Jesus has done for us also in the spiritual. Jesus has won the victory for us. Amen. He's already won these battles. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. Hebrews 2.10 says this, God for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So even Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, was the ultimate example of a servant first. He served. And this is what the Scripture is saying. He even gave his life. And so he was the perfect leader then. And he brought us into our salvation. So we can understand that. So tonight we see Joshua, and we see that we should be encouraged by God's commission on Joshua's life. The second thing is we need to be encouraged by God's promises. In verses 3 to 6, the Bible says this, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south, to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Whew, man, as I told you at the beginning, put yourself in the feet of Joshua. I want you to hear God speaking tonight, okay, to you. We need to be encouraged by God's promises. For every task that God gave to Joshua, he also gave him a special promise, which we just read in these verses. You see, God would enable Joshua to cross the river and claim the land in verses 3 to 4. He told Joshua he would defeat the enemy in verse 5, and that he would apportion the land to each tribe as its inheritance in verse 6. Notice that God didn't tell Joshua how we would achieve all this exactly. He just promised Joshua that it would happen. He didn't give the details yet. He didn't say, this is how it's all going to work out. Here's all the little details, how this is going to... He just said it would happen. It was a promise of God. And here's an important truth to remember. God's people live on promises and not on explanations. Amen? How many times has God said to do something in your life? You know, and we learn this as even little children sometimes because we parents play the role. You know, and we tell our kids to do something, and they're like, why, why, why? You know, I was, a, I was a famous why kid. I always want to know why for everything. And sometimes my dad, who was a military man, just said, because I said so. You know, that's all. That was it. You know, do it because I said so. He didn't have time for the why and the argument. Just do what I say. And uh, sometimes with God, he doesn't give us all the details. We don't get all 
of the wise yet. We don't understand all of that yet, but God gives the promise in advance. He says, here's the promise. Here's the commission, but here's the promise. When we step out in faith because we trust God's promises, we can be absolutely sure that he will give us everything that we need, direction, wisdom, strength, when we need them. Amen? If we step out, we can be sure God will supply the need. If we're stepping out into the will, into the, com into the commission that God has given us, he has promised us victory. When God promised Joshua that he would enter the land, it was a promise that he reaffirmed over the centuries. He first promised that to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He had last promised it to Moses in Deuteronomy 34, and now he's carrying it on to Joshua and telling him the same promise. In this promise, God's people could rest assured that there would be no more defeats, only victory. This promise was meant to erase all doubts and fears which always precede defeats. Did you catch that? He wanted this promise to erase all doubt and fears because doubt and fear always precedes defeat. God is about victory, not defeat. He wants to give you a promise in your heart about the victory that he's already won for you because he doesn't want you to doubt and he doesn't want you to fear because that leads to defeat. In this promise, God had already given them the land. Their responsibility was to step out by faith and claim it. Let me tell you something, folks. We have already been handed the victory by Jesus Christ our Lord. You are not a defeated people. You are a victorious people. All you need to do, though, is step out and walk in faith and walk the life that Christ wants you to live. What land and territory do you need to step out by faith and claim? Jesus Christ has already won it for us. He has given us this land. Is it something in your family? Is it something in your life? Is it a goal? Is it a dream? Whatever it may be that needs a victory, God says, step out. I've already won. Ephesians 1.3 makes it very clear how can we can apply this promise to our, ourselves in 2021. It says this in Ephesians 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. How many here have a united relationship with Jesus Christ? Uh, you've asked the Lord into your heart. If you have not done that yet, I, I'm telling you the promises of God are sure. If you have not united yourself with Christ, step out. Unite yourself with Christ because this is what he says he gives to us. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Whew. Christians, be encouraged by the promises of God. There are some times that we get depressed. There are some times that the things that are happening around us are so overwhelming that we lose sight. We, we lose perspective. We forget things that God has promised. But I'm here to tell you tonight, remember the promises of God. Because we have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Whew. Like sometimes I don't feel like that. Well, don't go by your feelings. Go by faith. And remember, tell your feelings the truth about what God has said and what God has promised. And you know what? Your feelings will follow. They'll follow your faith. If you step out and you trust God and believe God, your feelings will come along. 
grasp this concept and be encouraged. Every spiritual blessing. Come on, can we say that tonight? Someone say, I have every spiritual blessing. Say it with me. I have every spiritual blessing. Come on, even you at watching on video. I have every spiritual blessing. Man, can't you see how different this is from those who have no encouragement? Our God has put heart into us, his heart, and we are filled with his fullness. Revelation 3.8 says, I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Man, say the door is open for me. Come on, say that. The door is open for me. God has opened a door nobody can close because you have chosen to obey the word of God and you did not deny the Son of God. You have trusted in him. God has opened that door. Before us is that open door, but we must walk through it. We must be on the move. We must claim new territory for the Lord. New territory in our maturity and understanding. New territory in our ministries. How many are you ready for more maturity in your life? I want to be more mature. Amen. We preached the whole book on that one. James called Be Mature. All right, that's the whole book of James. But we want more maturity. We want more understanding. We want greater blessing in the ministries that God has given us. We want to see more souls come into the kingdom of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Recently, I, I heard, I read this challenging post by a great preacher that, that we love. He's, a, he's the president of Dare to Share Ministries. But he, he said, you know, and he was talking to the Christians, and it was to the church. But he was like, guys, he goes, there are people that are, that are unashamed of of telling everybody who they're voting for and putting signs up in their yard and going to rallies and all kinds of things, but they will not walk across the street to talk about Jesus Christ. Whew. Man, he just put it all in perspective. He put it all in perspective. It's like, why? The church is about Jesus and preaching Jesus Christ. We need to ask God for a boldness. It's impossible to stand still in Christian life and service for when we stand still, we immediately start going backwards. We cannot stand still. We must go through the open door, continuing to march forward. God is calling us onward. That's the call of Hebrews 6.1. It says this, let's go on. It says that in the scripture, let's go on. In other words, get, go to new maturity, continue to develop, continue to, to progress, keep going forward. We must move into new territory. In verse 5, God promises Joshua victory over the enemy. What a tremendous promise of God for Joshua, over the, uh, the victory over these enemies. Again, God told Abraham about these enemies, and he repeated this information to Moses as well. All God asked was that they obey him and that he would defeat these nations. So you see, God has promised, but it still requires us to move. It still requires obedience on our part. We have to obey God. All God asked was for obedience, but he warned them not to compromise with the enemy. Unfortunately, that they didn't listen, and God had to chasten them to bring them back to him. So we say, wait, God promised no enemies defeat them. Well, how in the world were they carried off to Babylon? You know, how are these, how are these empires able to come? Because they were disobedient to God. 
God says you got to act. If you, if you trust me, if you believe my promises, if you're claiming them, you got to walk in them. And you cannot compromise with the enemy. I believe that God is doing the same thing today. He will do whatever it takes to bring us back to him. That's our God. How many know that the Holy Spirit is like the hound of heaven? You know, he is, he is after us. He is after us. I believe God is a God of roadblocks. I mean, God puts up every possible roadblock to hell. I mean, he doesn't want you to go there. If you go to hell, you have to work hard because the Holy Spirit is after you, and Jesus' love for you is so overwhelming. You've got to work pretty hard to ignore God, okay? So don't do that. In verse 5, God promises Joshua this. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Wow. Lord, I receive that. Just like God promised Joshua that he would be with him, God has promised us this as well. In fact, this seems to be one of God's favorite promises to make. From the start of the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1, Jesus is called what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us, right? And then Matthew closes his gospel with these words in chapter 28, verse 20. So right from the first chapter of Matthew to the ending of the gospel of Matthew, it says this, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you think God was using Matthew, the gospel writer, under the inspiration of the Spirit to send us a message? From the opening of that gospel to the ending, I am with you. God promises us this. God's people can move forward in God's will and be assured of God's presence. In other words, he will go with us. He'll be with us. He is the open door. We have to go through him. We are with him, and he's always with us. So be encouraged. In verse 6, God promises Joshua that he would divide the land as an inheritance for the conquering tribes. He says this, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. The promises of God will all be fulfilled, all of them, as we will see in later chapters in the book of Joshua. But divine sovereignty is not a substitute for human responsibility. Joshua had to be strong and courageous. This is a command of God, and I believe it's a command here in 21. Amen? 2021. God is calling the church, and he's saying you need to be strong and you need to be courageous. You need to obey me. You need to not compromise, and you need to stand firm in the truth. God's promises, you see, they're more like prods than they are pillows. When God promises us something, it's not that we can just go, Oh, okay, and lay down on the promise. You don't got to sleep and wait for God to do his job. The promises are prods. I promise this, but get moving. If you move, if you step, if you go, I promise you this ending, all right? But you have to obey me. And that's the way God is. God is a God that prods us toward. He's an amazing God. You know why? Because he loves us so much. Would it be just, God would just be this puppet master, you know, this cosmic puppet master. If all he did was say, I'm doing this and I'm doing that, you have no control and you have no participation, all right? Just believe what I say. It's all coming to pass. But that's not the way God operates. He operates out of love. He operates out of relationship. He operates with this. We are his brothers, he calls us. We are the children of God. 
and he, oper- and he operates with us. He promises us, even in his sovereignty, he says, I'll do this. But he says, it's going to take you too. You're going to have to obey, and you're going to have to walk. And here's what I promise. He's a good God. And it's worth it. It's worth it. All right, so be encouraged by God's promises. The third thing tonight is be encouraged by God's written word. In verses 7 to 8, it says this, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Other translations put it, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. I'm going to get into that in a second. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Wow. Soak that in. Soak that in. It wasn't just for Joshua. It's for you and me. Soak that in. This is truth. This is what we need. We need to hear this. This is directly from God. We need to meditate on his word day and night, continually. Not deviating from what it says, but being very careful to obey it. Receive that from God. And when we do, only then will we prosper and succeed in everything that we do. And I'm going to get into that in a minute, too, because that may not be exactly, those English words may not be exactly as as we interpret them in English, success and prosperity. But let's, let's get into this. God's Word is what enables us to be strong and courageous. It's God's Word. When we meditate on the Word of God, God's heart is put in us. It would not be enough for the priests to carry and guard the book. Joshua had to take time daily to read it and study it and to make it a part of his inner person. And this is what God's requiring of us. Shame on pastors, myself and any, any other pastors ever preached the word that would not study the word of God on a daily basis. And I say all Christians need it, not just pastors. You need it. That's the beautiful thing that took place even in Reformation was that people could read the Bible for themselves. The Holy Spirit could teach them. It didn't just take a church leader to, to, to tell you what the Bible was saying and what the Bible meant. God can speak to your heart. That's a privilege to be able to read the Bible. So find a Bible and read it. You see, Joshua had to experience what the psalmist expressed in Psalm 119.97. He said this, Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. All day. That's the place, that's the kind of heart that we want to get to. The Hebrew word translated meditate, this is so interesting, I found this. It means to mutter. To meditate means to mutter. I had this idea that meditation was more like, you know, it was thinking. You know, it's like I read it, think it, ponder it over, just chew on it a little bit. But it means to mutter. It means to, it's actually saying it. It was commanded of the Jews to read Scripture aloud and to talk about it to themselves and to one another. So it's a, it's a vocalization. You read it, you say it over and over, you think about it, you talk about it, you talk to somebody else about it, you read it out loud together. This is, this is what meditation is about, okay? And it was a very important practice. Deuteronomy 6.6-9 records this instruction. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly 
to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. <laughs> Write them on the doorsteps of your house and on your gates. Whew. Man, they were serious. I mean, that's like, you know, we gave some instructions tonight, and we said, you know, hey, we need you to put that, you know, Bible better be in playing in your car, not the radio, uh, you know, and then you need to have Bible time with your, your family before and after bed, you know, before bed and when you wake up in the morning, and then uh, we need you to decorate your house with Bible verses as well, you know, put that on your doors and put that on your gates and your driveways and your cars. This is basically, they were serious about this. Why? Because God's word needed to get into their heart so they could be careful not to deviate from it. That it would become part of their inner being. That they would be obedient to it so they could receive the promise of God. Interestingly, most English translations translate the Hebrew of Joshua 1.8 like this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You see, the mention of the mouth in particular completes the idea of what it means to meditate. It's not just study and inner thought, but a muttering, a speaking out loud of the Word of God. Pastor Warren Wearsby, who often encouraged his listeners with this thought, he said this, if you don't talk to your Bible, your Bible is, isn't likely to talk to you. Talk to your Bible, and your Bible will talk to you. That's what he's saying. As followers of Jesus Christ, our prosperity and success cannot be defined by the standards of this world. What determines our riches and success are the answers to these questions. Did we obey the will of God? Were we empowered by the Spirit of God? And did we serve to the glory of God? If we could say yes to those three questions, then we know that we have attained prosperity and success. Did we obey the will of God? Were we empowered by the Spirit of God? And did we serve to the glory of God? My final point tonight is number four, be encouraged by God's commandment. It says in verse 9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Anybody counting how many times the Lord, just in these nine verses, said, be strong and courageous? All right? God was serious. God's commandments are God's enablements. Let me repeat that. God's commandments are God's enablements. In other words, what God commands you to do, he enables you to do. If God says to do it, then he gives you what you need to do it. He enables you. You have his authority. You have his power to do it. Stop shortchanging God. If he commands it, you have everything you need to achieve it because you have him wherever you go. He is with you. Some of you tonight need to pull yourselves up. Receive this word from God. And you need to begin to say, okay, Lord, okay, I hear you. God, you've called me to this, and you've empowered me and given your authority to me. Lord, I can do this. I can do this. 
but I can't do it alone. But thank you for promising me that I'm not alone, that you are with me, that you are with me. Some of us need to just say that to God. There's too many things we think they're out of reach or it's impossible or nobody understands. Nobody's in my shoes. Well, you, you know, if you're just talking about human beings, you're, you're probably right. They don't understand. They're not in your shoes. They couldn't. But God knows and God understands. And he's the one that's most important in this picture. He's the one who is everything for you. He is your source. He's the one that you need to obey. When Gabriel, the angel, spoke to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, after telling her that she would give birth to the Son of God, you know, I'm sure she's, hmm. He says these words to her. This is amazing. He says, for the word of God will never fail. So he said to Mary, for the word of God will never fail. The American Standard Version translates that same verse in Luke 1, 37 this way. It says, for no word from God shall be void of power. Wow. No word from God. It can't fail. It's all powerful. God's word is sure and God's word is true. Be encouraged by the word of God and what it says. The words God speaks have in them the power of fulfillment. If we would just trust and obey. Just trust and obey. So what is God saying to you tonight? In the years ahead, when Joshua was facing his enemies, all he needed to do to overcome the temptations of fear and dismay was to remember that he was a man with a divine commission and a divine commandment. He had God's promises and he had God's word. That's what he had. To you tonight, I'd ask you, do you feel of yourself? Have you received it from God that you have a divine commission? That God has called you? That you're a follower of Christ with an important destiny that God has given to you? Do you see yourself that way? If not, would you reach out to the Lord tonight and then ask the Holy Spirit to just show you that calling? Say, God, yes, you've called me. I'm either I'm going to lead somewhere. God has called you to lead as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, salt and light. God, show me that call for my life. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's, it's something else, some sort of ministry. But you are called. You have a commission. And remember, God has given you commandments. God has given you the commandment to be bold, to be strong and courageous. God has given you these commands. God has given you this incredible promises. If you don't know these promises, see, all these things center on the Word of God because He's given you His Word. But you've got to read it. You've got to meditate on it. Say it out loud. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Continue to speak it. And talk about it. With all that Joshua was given by God, what enemy could touch him? I mean, with all of that. And if, if we could say that of Joshua... With all that he had, what enemy could touch him? Then how much more is that true of you and me who have Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who has already won the victory? We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. What enemy can touch us? Romans 8, 
31 puts it this way. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Amen. That doesn't mean that there won't people be people against you. What it's saying here is, who has the power to really stand up to you? No one. <laughs> because you have God on your side. There's no match for Jesus Christ. How many know, but a newsflash, Satan is not Jesus' opposite. Let me just tell you that. He is not opposite in power in any way, shape, or form. In fact, he's a created being, and Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the creator. They are not equal in power. Okay? What I love about the Bible is that you know, Satan, he's just going to get locked up by a little puny angel, you know, like Clarence or something. He's just going to lock him up, you know. Doesn't even give the angel a name. He's so insignificant. <laughs> so, but it's, God is for us. Who can be against us? We have everything and more that Joshua had. So this is just the first part of the chapter. We're going to get to the second part of the chapter next week. And uh, chapter by chapter, we're going to be going through this. Pastor and I are going to be alternating chapters. So I'll be doing next week as well to finish up chapter one, and then he'll go on to chapter two and that kind of thing. So, man, I'm, I'm excited about this because it is about perspective. It is about strength. It is about being victorious and conquering the land and fulfilling the promises that God has given to us. And I'm excited for us, church, because we're going to be built up. We'll be built up in maturity. We'll be built up in understanding and wisdom. We'll be, we'll be more equipped. How many want to become more equipped, amen, to live your life? I do. I want to learn more. We can all learn more, all of us, in more, all of us, in our lives.